Recording in progress. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Before I begin, I need to pray. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace, and we thank you for being full-time in our lives. God, we just ask that you fill us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to receive your word today. Let it be retained and marinate in our hearts. Keep our hearts softened and melted for you. And God, please just allow us to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for filling me up. I ask that you lead me in this discussion. Allow me to discuss everything that I need to so that it's edifying to the hearer. God, I pray specifically that you allow us to be doers of your word, not just hearers of your word, God. We ask that you just completely just come into our lives and, and give us divine intervention, Lord. Give us miracles in our lives, God. You said in Psalm 37, 4, that if we take delight in you, you shall give us the desires of our heart. So we ask this day, God, that you give us the desires of our heart and let us fulfill your plan, will, and purpose. But most importantly, God, we ask that your will be done in our life. Not our will or anyone else's, but yours. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your blood. Amen. Thank you all so much for joining me today on Laws, Life, and Health. Let's talk about it. So... Today, I am going to continue on in this trending topic of women's health. Um, so yesterday, I talked about eugenics and how it has impacted the Latino uh, Latinx community, including uh, victims of the Holocaust and how that started. Also, how it has impacted pretty much the transgender and um, the LGBTQ community. Um, it seems as if it is like voluntary eugenics. So this is something that is a major issue that is happening here in America. And this is something that we shouldn't turn our, our eyes to. This is something that can impact everyone, either directly or indirectly. So it is very important for us to make sure that we're staying prayed up for people that need it. And just being that inspiration that other people need to be able to hear. So um, I'm going to get right into the word today. If you have any questions, please go ahead and put it in the chat. If you wanted to join me via Zoom, uh, please just go right ahead and put your questions in the Q&A and I'll be sure to respond to you there. Now, um, if I, if you wanted to get prayer, just send me a, a email at lawslifehealth at suddenchangescorporation.org. I, I am pretty responsive in my emails and so I will respond to you. If you wanted to do like community service or if you wanted to become an intern, send me an email to at info at suddenchangescorporation.org. If you wanted to suggest a topic or anything or contact me directly, send me an email at Deanna Watson at suddenchangescorporation.org. All right, so let me start and get into the word today. All right. Let me share my sound. Okay. All right. So there are a couple of scriptures that I wanted to start out with. And so this is going to be Isaiah 49 and 25. So if you all can turn to your Bible. So Isaiah 49 and verse 25. Okay. It says, but this is what the Lord says. Yes, captives will be taken from warriors and plunder retrieved from the fierce. I will contend with those who contend with you 
and your children I will save. That this is what God is saying. And so that's the NIV version. So it doesn't matter about what type of war you may feel like you're in. If you're battling like cancer, if you're battling, you know, a lack of support from family. If you lost your job, you just was recently in a divorce. If you, you know, you dropped out of school, you lost your house, you lost your car, whatever situation that you're in where you're, you feel like you are captive, you know, you have to understand that God says that captives will be taken from warriors. God will take you out of that situation. God wants to pull you out of that, right? And so this is so important to understand that God will contend with those who contend with you. And your children, I will say, this is what the Lord is saying. This is the NIV version. So let's look at the New Living Translation. The, the NLT says, but the Lord says, the captives of warriors will be released. And the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved. For I will fight those who fight you and I will save your children. Amen to that, right? So the English Standard Version, it says, For thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken. And the prey of the tyrant be rescued. For I will contend with those who contend with you, and I will save your children. The King James Bible says, But thus said the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contended with thee, and I will save thy children. Let's look at the Amplified Bible says, Indeed, this is what the Lord says. Even the captives of the mighty man will be taken away and the tyrant spoils of war will be rescued. For I will contend with your opponents and I will save your children. Amen to that, right? This is so good because see God, God is almighty, right? He wants to save us from everything that is causing harm in your life. He does not want you to be in captive in captivity or in bondage. God wants you to live in peace. And so this is so important to understand. That I want to talk about how God has unconditional love for us. So if we go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. So it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The New Living Translation says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. The English Standard Version says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And so the King James Bible says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves, it is of the gift of God. And so the Amplified Bible says, for it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ that you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the underserved gracious gift of God. I love the way the Amplified Bible says it. This is salvation, yes, right? So let's, I wanna go to the Strong's Concordance. Okay, and I'm going to look up the word grace. This is so important to be able to understand what grace means. Um, okay, so let me just explain what the Strong's Concordance is really quick. So, the Bible is comprised of two different testaments. The Old Testament and the New Testament. So, the Old Testament is from the books of Genesis to the books of Malachi. And that is basically written in Hebrew scrolls, okay? The New Testament is written in Greek. And so those are books from the book of Matthew to the book of Revelation. And so you have these two separate testaments. Yeah, so in order to be able to translate them into the English language, you have hundreds of scholars that have interpreted the word of God. The way that they have interpreted the word of God is, is in the Old Testament, they're interpreting in the Hebrew scrolls and in the New, they're interpreting in the Greek. And so now they are giving us the English translation of what the word is. So the interesting part about this, for instance, if I type in the word God in the Strong's Concordance, what it's going to give me is three, it has... Once you type that word in that you're looking for, it's going to give you every single instance when that word was written in the Bible. And as you can see here, if you're joining me through Zoom, that there are 3,893 verses that contains the word of God, right? That contains the actual word God. So there are actually 79 different meanings and 79 different ways to pronounce the word God, okay? And so this is very interesting here. And so if you wanted to ever do like a word study or understand the Bible, understand that the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That is considered the Torah. It is the law, okay? That's where you find the law of what God was commanding for us to do. Now, salvation came through Jesus Christ, which allows us not to be subjected under the law. So by grace, we are saved through the blood of Jesus, through his atonement, because he sacrificed himself on the cross for us. And so that allowed the atonement of our sins. So some people try to understand what sins are. Sins are things that people do we fall short every day because we have these conscious sins and then we have unconscious sins and the unconscious sins is something that we really need to try to you know eradicate from our lives because you don't really know that you're doing them right it's just the flesh that allows us to continue to do things that are in disobedience to god 
And so in order for us to be saved, we have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and that he died on the cross for our sins and he resurrected. And so once you acknowledge that, like, you know, like many have, you will be saved. You receive salvation. And so you can repent for your sins. The atonement of his blood washes away your disobedience and washes away your sins. And it is, it's just like when you come into God from a good heart, these things will take place. So what happens is in the, in the New Testament, you had the first four books of the Bible, which are um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are considered the Gospels. And so the Gospels is where you will find like the different um, aspects of, of, of Jesus' life and the things that he done while he was here on earth. So Jesus Christ, he was 100% man and he was 100% God. So understand that God is 100% man and 100% God. And that was when Jesus Christ was manifested here on earth. So when Jesus was here, he didn't use any of his, um, you know, like his godly powers only to heal people. He did not use his power to defend himself, right? Because God could have easily just demolished the entire race of people, but he didn't because of his mercy and his love. And so what I want to look up is the word grace. And so this is so important to be able to understand the word of God through looking at it from the Greek and also from the Hebrew scroll. So each word has its own Lex number or Strong's number is what you would call it. And so the word grace is something that I want to look up. Um, so that's basically here in um, Ephesians 2 and 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So when we look at the Strong's Concordance, right, the, you type in the word grace. So it's strongsconcordance.org. Um, sometimes they kind of change stuff here. Um, but I really do like the fact that they do use uh, exegesis. So exegesis is basically the study of the word of God through reading exactly the way the word of God is written. So then you can gain like different examples of, from it. But you don't read into it because usually if someone is reading into it, like, okay, God created the heavens. And so now someone wants to go and research everything about the heavens and what is considered the heavens. Is the water in the sky heavens or is, you know, they're reading into the word of God. And so that that is considered eisegesis. So theology is the study of scripture and the way that people study scripture is through theology. But the way they interpret it and read it is through exegesis or eisegesis. So the proper way to study the word of God is through hermeneutics and hermeneutics study the word of God through exegesis. All right. And so we're going to look at the word of God exactly the way that it is written so that we are studying it and not reading into the word based upon our own ideas okay or ideologies of what we think the word is saying because the word of god will tell you what the word of god is saying you will be able to understand it through the power of the holy spirit through the gifts of the spirit of god so god will not leave you blind where you won't understand the word um so the word grace so understanding when you type in the word grace it's going to pull up every single scripture that the word grace is attached to, right? 
And so the word grace is written in the, in the Bible 159 verses. There are 159 times it, it was mentioned. So if I type in the word Christian, for instance, the word Christian is written in the Bible twice. Okay. It's in Acts 26 and 28 and 1 Peter 4 and 16. All right. So that's the only time that the word Christian is in the Bible. So that word is prominently used in society, but that isn't something that is written that often in the Bible. Okay. So now I'm going to go and find my scripture that I was reading out of it, which is Ephesians 2 and 8. So now I'm going to go now and so like, let's check on page six. So we know that since this is in the Old Testament, I'm sorry, since this is in the New Testament, Ephesians is in the New Testament, it is actually going to be written in Greek. Okay. So I found it. It's on um, the sixth page, Ephesians 2 and verse 8. So you click it there and then I click this Strong's number. So it is Strong's number or lexicon number 5485. It is pronounced Karais. Karais. Okay, Christ. It means graciousness as gratifying of manner or act, abstract or concrete, literal or figuratively or spiritual, especially the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude, acceptable, benefit, favor, gift, grace, grace, gracious, joy, liberality, pleasure, thank, thanks, thanks. Thank worthy. So this is gratifying, this graciousness. The all of these are good things. So when we look at this, this scripture, Ephesians 2 and 8, you can gain a better understanding where it can enhance the clarity of this scripture for you, right? So Ephesians 2 and 8, let's read it again. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. So it is by graciousness, it, it is by abstract or concrete, spiritual. It is by divine influence upon my heart, upon my heart that I have been saved through faith. See, so it is by the reflection in the life, including the gratitude, right? That I have been saved through faith, right? That's, that's what this means. So it is, it is, it is acceptable. It is beneficial. It's favorable for gifts, graciousness, right? So that's the way that we understand the word of God. And this is so powerful because we are saved by God's grace. We are by grace. We have been saved through our faith. So our faith is what makes it acceptable. Our faith in God allows us to have the joy that we need. Our faith in God gives us the pleasures that we need. Our faith in God allows us to be thankful. Our faith in God allows us to have gratification and to be gratifying, right? Our faith in God gives us divine influence in our hearts. Our faith influences us in our relationship with Christ, right? So, hold on one second. Okay. So remember that our our faith influences our relationship with God. So I want to kind of shift focus here for a bit. And let's talk about how uh, eugenics is playing a key role in it. Okay. So I know I talked about, 
I know I talked about Margaret Sanger being the fact that she is the founder of Planned Parenthood. Um, I talked about the the Latinx um, culture of eugenics, right? And how pretty much 20,000 people were sterilized in California. I've also talked about Holocaust victims yesterday and how they were impacted by eugenics. And so eugenics isn't, eugenics is going to eradicate people that they deem to be unfit in society. And so what we have seen here is that people that are intellectually uh, disabled, individuals that are, um, they are also labeled as feeble-minded. They have uh, individuals we saw with the Latinx culture um, when they were forcing sterilization. They were forcing the sterilization because they were runaways. They had criminality. Um, the Latinx community also had an increase in um, the women had hyperfertility. And so it was important to sterilize them. And so we see in the Holocaust victims that they had an increase of a severe intellectual disability. So like um, they suffered a lot of mental challenges. And so this is why they forced eugenics upon them because they are, were they were deemed um, unfit in society. And so all of these things are contributors for, uh, I would say, unforgiveness, right? When people do something to you, it makes you feel unforgiving. If a person hurts you, it's like, oh, no, you hurt my feelings. I don't forgive you for that. So when you think about the overall way that the United States has been maintaining some of these um, injustices, these social and civil injustices, it makes you really think about how it has shaped the perspective of so many victims. But let's think about this for a moment, which I really do try to do. Okay, I would say I love impartiality. I am a person of impartiality. It is so important to have impartiality. I'm gonna say that's the third time I'm saying it. And because if you are partial to your own biases and you feel that it's okay for you to just sort of maintain what you believe is correct and what you believe should be stipulated in society because you have the funds and you have the resources and you think that all of these different things is justifiable. But when in fact, they are not justifiable. Okay? So I'm going to say it again. They are not justifiable. And the reason why they are not justifiable is because you have you have people like Margaret Sanger, which is one person. But this one person has negatively impacted the lives of 
who knows the amount of uh, blacks, Jews, Hebrews, and Latinx individuals, right? And this is through eugenics. And so eugenics is something that is, it's not a good thing. It is not. Eugenics is the pseudoscientific Western civilization theory that attempts to racially, socially, and economically cleanse people that are deemed inefficient in society. Okay. So this is something that we need to all be concerned about because I don't hold on a second. I I thought that I had put my um I had put a different definition up here. Hold on a second cuz I was doing some work cuz I wanted to make have a more thorough explanation of what it is. So that isn't the entire um hold on one second. Oops, one second, please. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to redefine this and post this back. I'm not sure what happened with the original post sometimes my computer it just does what it wants to do and i don't like i don't like it and it does that okay all right to put this um one second no why is it wasn't there okay so when we think about how god's unconditional love for us because that's what God that's what God has for us. God has unconditional love for us. And when we think about this scripture, Ephesians 2 and 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So God has gifted us with grace because of our faith. So your faith is going to be accompanied with grace. Right. Like your faith is going to be accompanied with works. Your faith has a couple of different things attached to it in order for you to be like, um, you know, uh, just in order for you to have the 
concrete graciousness that you need in order to have sustainability in life. So God gives us his divine influence. And since he is the divine influence through grace, uh, our faith is what ignites the grace. Okay, so we wouldn't be able to obtain grace if it wasn't for our faith. So our faith in God releases the grace through God. And it allows us to have divine influence in our hearts. So the thing about this is that, so I'm, let me give you an example. So today I was a kind of disappointed. All right, I was very disappointed. The main reason why I was, was because I literally was, I was reading a bunch of different articles and stuff and I was reading stuff um, through social media and then I started looking at videos and you know, I'm, I'm utilizing my time to do this and I make a reflection, like a post, a, a reflection post. And so I post on LinkedIn, I post on Twitter and then I post on Facebook. And while I'm sitting here trying to make, I, I'm constantly pressing post, right? Facebook didn't want to add my post. And so I was kind of like disappointed in that. And then I'm looking here. It took like several hours for LinkedIn to add my post for another post that I made. And then Twitter sometimes does that too. And it's like, I don't know if I really care about using social media platforms. I really am trying to do what God wants me to do. And so God told me to use the influence that I have as far as what what he reveals to me and the social platforms. And so that's what I do. But what was disappointing is, is that because there is so much censoring around the world, it's, that's a form of control and it is dictatorship. And it also is a way to limit your abilities. But when in fact, what, what people don't really realize is that when God has already ordained something, right? God's word goes out and it accomplishes that which it is sent out to do. And so what that means is that it doesn't matter about any censorship. It doesn't matter about any censoring of any information. It doesn't matter about what the world don't want people to discuss. It doesn't matter about what level of income you have. When it pertains to God, God's word will go out and it will accomplish that what it is sent out to do. So let's look at that. Let's look at the scripture. So God's word does not return to him void, okay? All right, so let's go to the Bible to Isaiah 55 and verse 11. And so it says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. See, so when God is doing something, nobody can really interfere with it. And so what happens is, is that like when there is interference 
with the plans of God, that's when people are going to war with God. Like, for instance, when we see Pharaoh in the Bible, we read of this story of Moses and how Moses went to Egypt. And because God told him to go to Egypt to, you know, free, free the slaves. And so when he go to Egypt, you know, Pharaoh, yes, he was doing a lot of different stuff. But he didn't want to listen to God. So even though, you know, he, he thought he was powerful and he thought that he could do so many different things. But when in fact, what was happening was he was being deceived by the evil one. God abandoned him to his evil desires. And God, you know, God is sitting there doing all of these miracles and telling him, like, let the people go. Let the people go. And he didn't want to listen. And so since he didn't want to listen, he went to war with God. He wasn't no longer in war with Moses and the slaves. He was going to war with God. So let's look at this. Let's look at this Bible verse. I want to go here. And I didn't know that I was going to be talking about Moses and um, uh, Moses and the I'm trying to see. I think that's somewhere in, it should be in Exodus. So it's in Exodus 14. So let's look at Exodus 14, for instance. I want to go down directly here um, to where they was fleeing. They were crossing the Jordan. I mean, sorry. They were, cross, they were crossing the Red Sea. And so here, let's go to Exodus chapter 14 because this is so interesting. This is, the Bible is so fascinating. Everything about the word of God is fascinating, okay? It's like you read the stories over and over again because you have poetry in the Bible. You have artifacts that are proven. You have archaeology in the Bible. You have uh, philosophy in the Bible. You have so much in the Bible. You have metaphors, okay? There is so much. The Bible is fascinating, which is why it is the number one seller in the world, okay? So... In Exodus chapter 14, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and they turn and count before Pihahirath, between Migdal and the sea, opposite of Baal Zephon, you shall count before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land, the bewilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will gain honor over Pharaoh and all and over all his armies that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord and they did so. So let's let's look here. I want to look at a couple other scriptures where God, God hardens their heart. So, um, let's see. I think this is it here. Okay, so if you turn to John chapter 12, verse 39 through 40, it's here. Therefore, they could not believe because that Esaias, and again, he had blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts and be converted and I should heal them. So what this is saying in Isaiah, I'm sorry, in John, 
it is basically talking about, you know, their hearts being hardened. Their hearts being hardened. And so God will abandon people when their hearts are hardened to the point where they don't uh, they don't listen to God. And so going back to Exodus 14, we see that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart. This is what God said. And we see this also in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So God will harden their heart because that's what they choose to believe. So it's like when God is telling you, look, do this and listen. God is trying to intervene on your behalf. He wants the best for you. But if you keep on choosing this way and this way and this way, and you're not listening to God and he's telling you, look, come this way, come this way, just come this way. It's like God will harden your heart unless you stay there, right? He'll continue to chase after you with his love. But ultimately, when you're in disobedience for a long period of time, you don't repent. You don't accept God in your life or in your heart. You don't. You know, like God wants you to do better. He wants you to do good. So he's going to continue to chase after you with his love. But some people, I, I've heard some people say, well, you know, everybody is God's child. God created everybody in the world. Yes, God had, God have created everybody in the world. He have, he did. The thing about God's creation is that he created every person in the world with free will, meaning that you are, you should love him voluntary. God wants you to choose him voluntary. He wants you to be obedient to him voluntarily. He doesn't want you out here just continue to think that you know what you're doing is right you think that everything you're doing is correct because you're so intelligent and you have the knowledge and you have this and you have that but those things does not equate to you having spiritual wisdom or spiritual knowledge so you're limited in your level of understanding things and in your comprehension and so since your comprehension is is um skewed right because you have these outliers that are influencing you it is in the grace from god that has that gives you divine influence right so now you're limited because of your inability to choose god and so now god is going to let you live the life that you're choosing and he's going to let you live that but that that isn't that's going to come with a consequence right because any parent or any person that loves you is going to want to see you do good and so like god is our father you know he is supreme he is almighty he is our god right and so when god wants us to do something and we are when we're disobedient to him he will allow us to go through certain consequences he will allow us to go through certain things to teach us how to be redirected to him okay and so we see here that Pharaoh's heart was hardened by God. And so that um, 
So he thought, so basically Pharaoh thought that they were going to be closed in like the, the, the slaves. They, he thought that, that they were going to be bewildered in the wilderness and closed in. And then he could just like come in and get them. Right. And so like in verse five, it says, now it was told that, that the king of Egypt, that the people had fled and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this that we have let Israel go, go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captives, with captains over every one of them. And so the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them and the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army and overtook them camping by the sea and besides uh pi hirat before bel zaphon and so basically what what's happening here is is you have all of these people chasing the is the israelites and guess what they heart are hardened god can't even speak to them it's like wait wait a minute the people around them can't even talk to them you know god can't even speak to them their hearts are hardened. And if, as you can see, there are a lot of people here in the world whose hearts are still hardened, right? You can't tell them anything because they are they basically know so much and they're unwilling to learn anything from anyone else. Um, besides their own, they, they stick to their own pre-existing thoughts and beliefs, and they don't let anyone other any other person thoughts or beliefs, you know, sort of influence them in any type of way. But what we see with Jesus Christ is that Jesus was impartial. And I don't like to put like these basic terms on God because these terms are sort of benign type of words because these words are not, you know, like God is so supreme that we should just like define words just specifically describing God. And so like Jehovah Jireh, we have Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Sikhnu. God has all of these different names. And it's so important for us to understand that yes, God has different names, but God also has different qualities and attributes and stuff, you know? And so we see that Jesus, when he was here on earth in the gospels, in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that he talked to the religious Pharisees, right? He would speak to them on a regular basis. And they would always come and try to trick him up into some something to say. Or they wanted him to do this or they wanted him to say that. But he was aware of their motives. He was aware of their schemes. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what was in their hearts. It's like when you hear people speak. You can tell if they are supportive of you, right? You can tell if they have good intentions for you, right? Like, for instance, if you're trying to make an investment and in this investment, you're like, okay, well, I would like to invest in gold, but which, you know, how much should I put it for? How much gold should I be investing? Or I would like to invest in this foreign exchange, but, you know, I don't know what I should put my stop loss at. What should I put it at? And so some people, they'll give you bad advice intentionally because that's what's in their heart. Some people will give you great advice intentionally because they want to see you thrive. 
See, the problem is, is that uh, and when individuals are so controlling and so demanding, they want to control the way you receive information. And I just think that that is one of the most ridiculous notions of rhetoric that I've ever heard of in my life. And so I think that it's uh, unethical. And I also think that it's just because people are so idle. When you are idle, they don't have anything to do, okay? Like, so if you were wealthy and you had all of the money in the world that you could never spend, like, what would you be doing, right? You don't know what to do with all of that money, right? It's like, oh, well, I think I want to buy air now because air, I just want to own most of the air, right? Or I wonder, is it possible to buy a cloud, you know? Like intangible things that you can't buy. Oh, you know, I think I want to purchase some plots on Mars, even though I've never been to Mars. I want to purchase some plots there to own some land on Mars. I want to own about 50% of Mars. What makes you think you can own more than I can? So it's like, when you're when you have all of this excess you know individuals in this world they are idle okay so let's look up let's look up some terms here all right let's look up idle okay so they are limiting the term idle here in according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary. And I'm sure they're going to always limit something, but I want to look it up uh, in the dictionary too. But I, I, I'm also going to go to the Strong's Accordance. So idle is not occupied or employed, such as having no employment. Okay, that's not the only way that you can be idle. All right, some people are idle because they just have nothing else to do. They're so rich. That they have nothing else to do with the money that they have. And so they try to think of new ways about um, them being able to dominate society. How can we influence this? I want everything done. And not. They can't get away with doing this forever. Right? Nothing lasts. Nothing can last forever. Okay? Only God gives eternal life. And God is eternity. God is infinite. God is man. N-A-N. Where N-A-N is like infinite in the numerical world. Infinite. So, idle is not turned to normal or appropriate use. Lacking worth or basis. Shift list. Lazy. Having no evident lawless means of support. So you see, all of these things is something that is not good. Okay? So this isn't good for people to be idle. So now let's look at the word idle in the Strong's Concordance. 
But I think I think that there is. Hold on one second. Let me see. I'm wondering if the King James version used the term idol, or does it use a different one? Because I'm always reading different translations. Okay. Okay, so let's look at let's look at the terms idol. Okay, so I want to look at this. Uh, let's look at 1 Timothy 5 and 13. That's what I'm going to go to. Okay. So it says, besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to say. Right. And so now going back here, let's look at this um book of Exodus. We see that Pharaoh think thinks that he's going to have the, the Israelites are going to be enclosed. Um moving forward in verse 13, it says, And Moses says to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace, right? So Pharaoh is pursuing them. Pharaoh is going after them. They're going through a lot, right? And so you have to understand some people in life, they're gonna, if they may, you may feel like they coming after your job, right? These landlords are trying to make you lose your house and they don't understand that you had a declining income, but you've been living in this house and it's renting. You've been renting for so long. And it's like, okay, how, how could you do this after a few missed payments? You know, like you, you were out sick and so you couldn't go to work. And now the job has just basically forgotten about all the 10 years that you worked for this company. And all these and this time that you spent to transform the organization, right? And it's like, wait a minute, how how could you just throw me under the bus or throw that person under the bus so easily? And it's unfortunate. But guess what? Sometimes you're going to feel like People are just trying to, you know, sabotage your life. And like, that's what Pharaoh was doing. He was trying to sabotage the Israelites. When, first of all, God is the one who sent Moses to get the Israelites out of Egypt and then free them. So what would make Pharaoh and all of them believe that it was okay to keep pursuing them well, it's because their hearts were hardened. 
So it would when you when you equate to a hardened heart, you have to equate to the fact that they are blind. They are blind. That's what it is. A hardened heart is blindness. They cannot see for real. They don't understand what is happening here. It's similar to like um in Sodom and Gomorrah how they were sitting up there all of these people was coming from every different direction trying to have sex with the angels the two angels that god sent to outside of Gomorrah. but for some reason them people did not see that they were angels but if they had discernment they would have known that they were angels if they had the salvation of god they would have known that they were angels. See, Lot knew that they were angels. You understand? So like when they have hardened hearts, it equates to them not being able to comprehend what God is saying. They don't comprehend. They don't understand. They are deceived. So here Pharaoh is thinking he's using all of his sorcerers to do some of the same thing that Moses was doing with his staff. Now he think that since he he can be equivalent to that somewhat, he can still go after them. Even after all the firstborn of Egypt has now been taken away, he still don't see what's happening. He is going to war with God. And it's another instance in the Bible where it talks about uh some people that they were warring with god they war with god okay and so we see here that um so so moses is telling the people look don't be afraid don't be afraid and so it might be hard to understand this and hear this but you do not have to be afraid of your enemy your enemy can do nothing to you let me explain something to you this is what the Lord told me. Okay. God said, you will fulfill my purpose. It doesn't matter what it may look like. It does not matter what situation you're going through in this lifetime. It does not matter what experience I am in. God said that I will fulfill his purpose. I was 19 years old and that was prophesied. What was prophesied over me was you will go places that no man would dare to go or even think to go. And God will use you to snatch them back into his kingdom. Snatch his children back into his kingdom. And so... When I think about that, I always think about when I'm going through an experience and I'm having this problem, like I literally just went through a lot of problems in school. I did. I was like gaslighted. Horrible, horrific type of stuff that was going on. But God gave me favor. So I was withdrawn from all of my classes when i don't have that many classes to graduate okay so i graduated in, i think we graduated in april or may and so guess what happened i was withdrawn from my classes and like basically kicked out 
of my program and now i have been accepted back all right and so the good thing about this is that god has given me favor it isn't about me right it isn't about my experience that's what god told me this is how i continue to strive is because god said no matter what you go through i am with you i am with you so you have to know that whatever it is that you're going through whatever problems that you're feeling that you're experiencing in life whatever however you're being attacked god is with you god is not going to abandon you god will not abandon you when you have given him you your faith in god allows you to have grace the grace that comes from god allows you to be accepted allows you to have divine influence into your consciousness from god so no matter what you're experiencing it doesn't matter what the situation is i don't care what it is remember god is with you say it again god is with you so when people try to demolish or try to uh try to interfere with the plan that god has for your life god is with you they're not going to war with you they're going to war with the plan of god that god is using through you so why worry don't worry don't worry about nothing ever okay so we see here that moses is saying look do not be afraid stand still see they had this post on um social media where they talk about um don't be still like a tree if you don't like something move and i said um i said before i said look if if you if you need to be still it's okay to you know move at a turtle pace move at a turtle pace if that's something that you have to do when you move at a turtle pace you can see what the plan is you can understand things differently you see your perspective is influenced differently okay so moses is saying do not be afraid stand still so you can see the salvation of the lord be still in your situation sometimes when you're going through that experience and you being attacked be still be still it's okay to move at a turtle pace pay attention call on god god let me see things from your perspective and not my own god let me let me decide and make decisions from your perspective god I don't want to depend on my own understanding, God, because my own understanding, oh, God, it will deceive me. I don't want to be deceived. 
please make sure I'm, I'm being very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. God, I want the Holy Spirit at all times. I love your salvation, God. So you coming from an authentic place. The people in this world, they don't come from an authentic place. They come from a place of dictatorship. They come from a place that the world defines idle as being without a job when there are people that have jobs and they are still idle. So how can that be logical? Ding, 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 it isn't, okay? Let that ring the bell. Let that sound the alarm, okay? It should do something about the way that we are perceiving things in this world. So God wants our perspective not to be shaped by our own level of understanding things, but we need to understand things from the perspective that God wants us to see them from. So if Moses is telling, Moses saying, look, be still, wait on the salvation of God, wait to see the salvation of God. Because you're going to see this accomplished today. So let you, 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 you understand. So like the more you attacked, the more the breakthrough is for you. See, your blessing is right there. You right on the verge of a breakthrough. You are right on the verge of breakthrough. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, you are on the verge of breakthrough. So when you are going through something, see, like when I was going through the stuff with school and I'm getting hearing, seeing all these emails and I'm just like, oh, Lord Jesus, I just, God help me. It's like at some point, I, I can't give up. I don't give up. I never give up because see, God is my motivation. It's like my confidence is attached to God. So it's like, okay, you know, God, I really didn't feel like writing all of these emails, but now God, God say, don't worry about it. Write the emails. You're going to be done in less than an hour. I'm going to be done in less than an hour. I got to look through hundreds of emails. Thank you, God. Thank you. I know I got this. Thank you, God, for my inspiration. God is my inspiration. Let God be your inspiration today. Quit listening to all the people that are depressed. You got to get that depression from out of your surroundings. I want to hear the inspiration of God. God said, I could get this done in an hour. What could have took the Israelites 10 days, 11 days to accomplish? It took them 40 years to figure out. I don't want to take 40 years. It don't take me 40 years to figure it out. If it, it took me 40 years to figure out the type of life i want to live and i know i want to live for christ because jesus died on the cross for me so now it's my time to live for him so let's look forward moving forward here it says so in verse 15 the lord said to moses why do you cry to me right see tell the children of israel to go forward 
So don't cry out to God in the situation. This this what God was telling me. Look, what are you what are you up getting upset about? Because at first I was feeling kind of like disappointed. I was so disappointed. I'm like, now I have to go to another school. But before I had got withdrawn from my classes, I already had put a transfer in at another school. By the following week, I was accepted into the school and was registered in my classes. And so God said, look, I am here with you. You can stay here at this school or you can go to another school. I am the one that created the opportunity for you. I have a plan for your life that will be fulfilled. This is what God is telling me. So it's like, either way it go, I still win. So that's the way that you have to look at it. God wants you to win. You can't stay stuck in a situation in a moment. It's about you when you fall. How are you getting back up or are you just laying there? You can't just lay there. Get up. You have to get up and do something. God don't want you just stuck. So what are you doing in your situation? Get up. God has. God is saying, look, I'm here with you. Even though you want to still lay down here, I'm going to lay down here with you. But I'm here with you and I'm waiting on you to get up. Right? And so that's the way God is. See, you, you learn a few things about God when you build a good relationship with him, okay? So God is still with you when you're laying down and don't want to move. He still create the opportunity. So I ended up owing my school a whole bunch of money. Just because I was kicked out of all these classes and I'm like, whoo, Lord Jesus. God said, I'm going to take care of that too. So I don't, I don't worry about anything. I'm not about to worry about it. So the, the, the main thing is, don't cry about the things in the situation when you're going through the situation. Sometimes it's like, God, it's just like I worked so hard to get to this point. And now it's unfortunate that I have to go through all of this, God. And, and so God said, don't worry about that. See, because what the enemy intended for bad, I'm going to turn around for good. And it's going to be used for my glory. So God is saying that what you're going through is going to be a living testimony to someone else and you're going to be able to help them get through. So I just remained focused on what God was telling me and God kept saying, I'm with you. I am with you. No matter what the enemy does, no matter what the enemy tried to interfere, no matter what the enemy tries to figure out about you, I'm going to say that again. No matter what the enemy tries to figure out about you, because you see, you have to understand that the Holy Spirit is your driving force when you are submitting your will to God. And so when that happens, God is going to be in the midst. He's working. We see that in, um, we see that in, uh, what was it? Corinthians and, and, uh, when, when God says that I am in the midst. Your body is a temple. And so this is so important 
to pay attention to and to understand that God is not going to abandon you in your struggle. He doesn't. His your and God's power is made the strongest in your weakness. So in verse 15, the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. So look, why, why are you sitting there crying? Don't stop moving. You got to keep going. Why are you sitting there going through whatever you're going through? You still got to move forward. Because God is with you. So it says in verse 16, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. See, this is to me, this is important too, because he divided the sea for them. They ain't had no way across. God created a way across. So you may be feeling like you don't have a way to get through this, but if you trust in God, he's going to make a way for you to get through it. In order for you to see this, you have to trust God like you have trusted God in the past. Think about all the times that something bad could have happened, but instead God intervened. You didn't even understand how. You like, oh, I'm I was lucky. No, 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 no. That wasn't no luck. That wasn't no luck. That was God intervening on your behalf. So even though you didn't deserve it, God still did it. He intervened for you. So that's what he's doing here. He using, he said, lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. He's making a way for them to cross. God's going to make a way. It don't matter what the enemy try to do. Let the enemy go to, the enemy is defeated your enemy is defeated already so everybody say look my enemies are defeated my enemies are defeated my enemies defeated against me period in the name of jesus christ it is sealed in the blood of jesus my enemies are defeated with the blood of jesus christ So they can go to war with God all they want. But guess what? They lose. Like Mortal Kombat. You lose. They lose, right? And so God wins. And that's it. God created the way for them to cross. And so, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So understand this, this is a crucial, crucial, this is so critical to analyze. They're going to go on dry ground in the middle of the sea. Now, some people say, well, well, how did they do that? You know, see, this is so, this is so mythical. How this is mythology. This is this, that can't be real. No, that's the way the word of God said it, and that's the way that it happened. The same way that these people walk across the dry ground in the middle of the sea is the same way miracles happen today. 
Miracles are taking place around this world every single day. While everybody walking around ignoring it, miracles are taking place. Doctors, doctors' lives are being changed when they see miracles taking place. People hear of miracles and still be like, uh, I, I don't know how that, that's that. I, you're lucky. You're just lucky. It's the same way here. If they are going across the, the sea and dry ground. Now God is still performing miracles today. And people still like, oh, well, they was lucky. If your heart is not, that, that heart sound like a hardened heart like Pharaoh, blind. He blind and, and can't see. So, like, this is what the real important part here is, right? God does something miraculous when he divides the sea. Pharaoh is going to see this miracle take place, okay? Like, millions of people have heard of miracles let's 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 see if the the webster dictionary the the what the dictionary defines a miracle since uh the world doesn't you know like people in the world don't believe in miracles right um but when you are a child of god you're gonna know that miracles exist so let's see if they define it okay and so it says miracle an event that appears inexplicable by the laws of nature. So they, they giving credit to nature, right? When the Bible talks about all types of miracles. So instead of them talking about God, they talk about nature, right? Well, God created nature, all right? So we see that an event that appears inexplicable by the laws of nature. And so it's held to be supernatural in origin or an act of God. Okay, there we go. I spoke too soon. Good. They talk, they say it's an act of God. So it says one that excites admiring all a wonderful or amazing event, act, person, or thing. So this is a miracle. We see in Exodus 14 that this is a miracle with them walking across the sea. God expanded by dividing the sea for them to walk on dry ground. This is a miracle. We see miracles taking place every single day in this world where people are still deviant in their acknowledgement to God. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I, I was married to an atheist. And so he just didn't understand why dinosaurs wasn't in the Bible right but it talks about creatures right so you have to define what creatures are so that's a generalized term right so you have to understand something else you don't necessarily have to you could be like pharaoh who's seen a miracle take place in front of him and then be consumed by it or you could be a person of virtue and, and want to be able to understand god and enhance your quality in relationship with the God, with God, right? So we see that the, this sea was divided. This is a miracle taking place. I don't, I don't want it. I don't like excuses. I have always been a person of logic, 
But when I read the word of God, I'm not looking at it from a logical perspective. I'm looking at it from God's perspective, the Holy Spirit. So this miracle is taking place with the dividing of the sea. In verse 17, it says, and I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. See, their hearts are hardened even more because they keep chasing after God's children. You have to understand why this is happening. Why are their hearts being hardened? Their hearts are already hardened. Now their hearts are hardened more. Right, right. So now it says, so I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Because see, if Pharaoh would have went back, he would have realized he, he wouldn't have been blinded. He Pharaoh is blind. He's not physically blind. He's spiritually blind. Because all of these things are taking place around him and he still can't see. He, he still doesn't pay attention. It's like the people in Sodom and Gomorrah. They didn't even know God sent angels. They trying to have sex with the angels. It's a certain spirit that they chosen to follow that basically uh, eradicates their eyes from seeing. God allows them to have complete and total blindness because of their hearts, because of their disobedience. They they not turning like how how Adam and Eve when they sinned in the fall and and how when Eve ate from the forbidden tree and then she convinced her husband, they both realized they were naked. It wasn't until Adam ate from the tree that they realized that they were naked. So it's power in that man. Authority has been given to the man, not the woman. Because he was created in God's image and woman came from man. So the power is in the man that, that God has created the to be in his image, his exact image, meaning that man has his quality. So, but we see that after they had did this, they were disobedient. They hid and ran from God. So that means that they, they wasn't ashamed in a way where they felt remorse. They were ashamed because they had gotten caught. There's a difference between, oh, I'm, I'm, I didn't mean to do this. God, forgive me. And somebody that's, oh, you know, God knew. God know that people going to fornicate. So understanding these things is to be able to understand God. It's like they don't have remorse. Pharaoh didn't have remorse. People that don't have remorse can't change. You walking around here doing all type of stuff to people. And I'm going to shift focus a little bit. But going back to eugenics, we see that Margaret Sanger, she was a racist. And supported eugenics, the eradication of blacks, Jews, Hebrews, and Latin people through sterilization, forced sterilization at that. Forced, forced. So they wouldn't be able to reproduce in society anymore. And so we also see this lady, Nancy Beatty, 
who goes from being a woman to transforming into a man and then getting pregnant, acting as if she is a man. So she gets pregnant, but appears to look like a man. When she is biologically a woman that had her breast removed and everything, now she she looks like a man. And so now she becomes pregnant and becomes like the sort of um, idol that a lot of people will like to be in the transgender community, right? So when we think about these men getting pregnant, eugenics is not something that is good. You, you want to force sterilization on entire people like you are God. When no one is God, but God. So unless they want to be like Pharaoh, you know, because when you when, when they when they go to war with God, because that's what they're going to do. Go to war with God. They're going to call it something else. So you have to understand what is happening and what is going on here. So we see that in verse 17. And indeed, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. So we see that God is actually going to gain honor in the situation. God is going to be glorified. He is God. He's going to deliver his people and the same ones that been disobedient God is still going to be honored by them. Verse 19, it says, And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other all that night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Amen. Hallelujah today. Every time I read this story, you just have to really think about it and visualize it. This is a miracle taking place. I myself am a living miracle. God has created me. To be a living, walking miracle. So, there are a bunch of different miracles that's taking place in my life. And I've talked about them. Maybe you maybe you all can go and read um, 
just go through some of my other previous blogs. Maybe the conversations with God, you'll be able to hear that um, and understand my perspective on certain things there. I believe I gave a part of my testimony there. And so you'll be able to hear it. Um, so in going forward in verse 24, now it came to pass in the morning watch, the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud. And he troubled the army of the Egyptians and he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So they, they finally can see a little bit, even with their hearts being hardened. See, their hearts still had to be hardened in order for God to be glorified through it. That's what God kept hardening their hearts, right? Because if they if God, if, if all of these things taking place and they still not believing, God needed them to go harder and harder and harder. So it was no other option that they could see besides, look, this is God of Israel doing this. So sometimes you're going to go through situations where you're going to feel like, well, why would God allow this to happen? And why would God do this? And why would God do that? It, it was because of your choices. Sometimes it's not even your choices. It's just some things happen so that you can be an overcomer and you can help the next person overcome. When you understand God and everything good happens for the good or the purpose of them who love God and those that are called according to his will, you're going to know that everything happens for the good. And I mean it from experience and from I know the glory of God. God will be glorified in every situation, in every experience. So their hearts were so hardened that they didn't have no other choice but to see that they needed to leave the Israelites alone <coughs> because they finally said, the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So it took them having to go through all of these different experiences in order for them to understand that it was God fighting for them. So the enemy, your enemy is defeated. Your enemy can't win when God has ordained things for you when god has chosen you when god has called you it doesn't matter about your experience god is going to be glorified in it but don't let your heart get so hardened to the point where you're going to go through experiences and you ain't gonna have no other choice but to give credit to god You won't have no other choice but to get on your knees and say, God, talk to me. You won't have no other choice but say, saying, God, help me, God. You won't have no other choice besides saying, look, if there is a God, help me, God. That's to all the atheists out there, okay? So 
moving forward. Then in verse 26, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots and on their horsemen. First of all, they just said in verse 25, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. They see a miracle take place. And they still want to play. They still want to take a chance of going to war with God. Like they've been warned. They have been warned. And they still want to go to war with God. So the Lord says to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on the horsemen. In verse 27, and Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth. While the Egyptians were fleeing to it, into it. So the Egyptians was fleeing into the sea. They seen the miracle take place. And they still chose to be disobedient after all of that. And so the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Because see, they already had realized in verse 25 that they needed to flee from the face of Israel because the Lord was fighting for them against the Egyptians. They saw this when they chariot wheels were falling apart. So they, they chariot wheels falling apart. They see that the God of Israel is fighting on the behalf of the Israelites, but they still choose to be disobedient even after seeing a miracle such as an entire sea being divided. And so people today are still going to be seeing miracles and they still don't believe. See, because their hearts are not hardened enough to the point where they don't have no other choice but to see the work of God. They have no other choice. See, right now they got freedoms. They could choose, oh, I want to, they want to choose this. They want to choose how they want to purchase plots on Mars. Right? I want land on Mars. I want to support eugenics. Not me. Not me. I'm just saying what some people do. Okay? And so you understand. That eugenics is the eradication of people. This is unethical. It is wrong. And so it doesn't work in society. So I wanted to talk about um, some transgender parents here. Um, let's talk about these transgender parents. So before I get there, let me finish up the um, uh, talking about. Let's finish up talking about. Exodus chapter 14. So in verse 28, we see that then the waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. 
So they still went, they went into the sea and you know, they got what they was looking for. They thought that they can get the, the Israelites, but they couldn't. So they saw a miracle. They saw that God was fighting for them and they still chose to chase them. They, they still didn't want to listen. So um, the waters returned and covered the chariots and horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. So not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. In verse 30, so the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So this is, this is, this, this is amazing, right? We see that the God delivers. This was deliverance. God wants to give you deliverance. So we just have to believe God. You know, we have to trust in God. And as the more and more we trust God, the more and more we grow into having a closer relationship with the Lord. And so um, it's important for us to all see that, you know, when you trust in God, you can, you, you know that you're going to get quality. You're going to have a peace of mind. You're going to have, you know, uh, wisdom, knowledge. So what? What good is intelligence when God is all knowing? God is omni. Uh, okay, so God is. I normally say omniscience when it's actually not pronounced that way. It's omniscience. Um, omniscience. That's how you pronounce it. And so that means that God is just all knowing. But I say omniscience because it is a better way for people to be able to understand God. And so omniscience is, means that God knows everything. He's all knowing. So just because you are intelligent here in this world, but you lack spiritual knowledge and spiritual common sense, you're not intelligent. You are a fool. My granddad used to always say, you know, you are a fool in my book. When he was, when he was talking to people, he would say, you are a fool. You are a fool. And I'd be like, granddad, why? <laughs> My granddad, he, he was so funny sometimes. I tell you, I really do miss him. Um, so the, the people of Eve, the people feared the Lord and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. So if you see a miracle happen, you, you seen miracles. Don't disregard it. Don't disregard it because God wanted you to be impacted by that miracle. See, Pharaoh, they could have turned around, but they didn't. They seen the miracle, even with the fire that God had put. God had put a cloud there too, you know, so they, they seen the miracles taking place. So if you see miracles happen, you can't dispute a miracle, okay? Same way with God dividing the sea is the sum of the same things that God do today in the lives of people who has miracles taking place in their life. All right. It isn't done by coincidence. So moving forward, I wanted to talk about some of the transgender men that can get pregnant and 
and what they wish more people could understand. And so as I'm reading this, I want you all to know that I am not a supporter of the transgender transition. The Bible talks about here in 1 Corinthians, uh, if you, you all can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I thought I had it pulled up, but I'm going to pull it up here again. So um, 1 Corinthians verse 11 and 3. It says, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is man and the head of Christ is God. And so this is so important to understand. Like I spoke about the other day, if you are not allowed to marry animals, you should not be allowed to be able to do certain things. God has things in place for a reason. He has the this order in place for a reason. Because people in this world, they can be consumed by their desires. And the consumption of desires could really, really be the detriment of many people. So for instance, should sex offenders be allowed to marry their victims? If they victims love them. So it, there is a wide array, a wide array of different things that can take place in society when order isn't stipulated. So when the society is driven by desires, sometimes desires can can overpower an entire society. And we've seen this done in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were blinded when God sent his two angels. The people of Sodom and Gomorrah wanted to have sex with the angels. That is just how far gone their minds were. And so, yes, people are going to go and experience certain things. But we have to be diligent in our understanding of what desires and, and how our desires are formulated. But mental health is widespread in America, which is why America has really pretty much been deemed a society that is, um, you know, battling anti-psychotic um, issues. So there are a lot of people on anti-psychotic medication because of mental health concerns. So we have a correlation between vaccines and mental health, but those things have not been addressed. Because we are still living in a society that don't acknowledge wrongs. Remember that it's right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter about who's right. It's about what's right. And so looking at this story about the transgender uh, individual. So we have, we have two men here. Um, this is from Yahoo Life. Um, this article that was published by David Artavia, it was updated January the 19th of 2023. And so you have Danny Wakefield who gave birth to um, their first child in 2020. Um, and so he was pregnant. He was 36. He's 36 years old. He's a transgender male. Um, 
And he, you know, like, let's see here. It says that um, he had a really hard pregnancy. And um, he was pregnant. So I want to show this video here. Let's look at this video. So now they have a two-year-old child. The the this person's Twitter is Danny the Trans Dad. Okay. And so they basically grew up. Um they talk about the way that they grew up and how trans men can give birth now through gender affirming care. This is done through in, in vitro fertilization. This was first, the, the first IVF baby was performed, I believe it was done in 1978. Um, and so these type of, these type of surgeries are basically paving the way for pregnancy to be a privilege. Pregnancy should be a privilege. Um, so this is the way society is formulating pregnancy. If you really think about the, the implications that are taking place here. So we see that eugenics is a way that eradicates um, uh, the reproduction process by causing people to become infertile through forced sterilization. And so when they become uh, sterilized, they can no longer reproduce, right? And so the only way that they can now have a, a child is through in vitro fertilization. And so if you have multiple generations of this, like I was reading about yesterday, it talks about how the Eugenics Sterilization Act attempted to uh, sterilize three generations of people three generations so if you can eradicate three generations of uh, a race or, or a certain type of population to be um unable to reproduce what happens is now they're no longer being born in society anymore and so in order for them to get pregnant they have to go through this reproductive technology type of surgery and so what does that do that's going to produce residual income to the makers of this reproductive technology and that will be CRISPR technology okay that is what my main research is about and so that's what I mainly talk about specifically when it comes to my research is CRISPR technology of uh, genetic engineering and um, how it relates to several beliefs in support of uh, CRISPR technology. So this is something that is, it really should be examined more closely because eugenics is an involuntary sterilization. But what's happening in today's society within the transgender community, they are voluntarily getting sterilized. And so now with them being unable to reproduce naturally, they can now get reprodu reproduction 
through reproductive technology, which is in vitro fertilization. This is a very expensive surgery, if I may add, okay? Um, so they also have another person, Caden Coleman. He's a, a gay transgender man. And um, his gender is trans male and his sexual orientation, which is something separate and different, okay? So I, I haven't learned the terms. I don't plan on to learn them. I don't plan on learning them either, right? Um, because I believe in the God man woman order. The Bible tells us specifically, you know, it's so a man leaves his father and mother and is united into his wife, and the two shall become one. And so when you deviate from those type of plans, that's when you're going into now a hardened society that may be filled with deception and blindness. Remember what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. They were blinded to a certain extent that they didn't even know that it was angels on earth. They want to have sex with angels. Didn't even know that they were angels. They want to force themselves on angels. Pharaoh, hardened was hardened. Saw miracles take place. God continually spoke to him through Moses continually warning after warning after warning guess what he still crossed the jordan he still crossed the red sea even after seeing god divide the sea for the israelites not for him but he still went through like he could get through the miracle wasn't for him but he knew he was supposed to turn around so it's like there's a certain level of deception. There are certain levels of um, blindness that is taking place here. And it's like, you know, when you see the world has been impacted by mental health concerns, because previously the American Psychiatric Association, they had previously defined homosexuality as being a mental health concern, a mental health condition. And then they revised the term. And then they didn't explain why they revised it. They said because some people were, the society was more accepting of homosexuality. When in fact, homosexuality was deemed a mental health risk. So we have Caden uh, Coleman here. He has a separate and different type of identities. Okay. He shows his belly off. He has a baby. Um, we, they also, there is another uh, person here. So you have several different people that basically show off that they are having babies. Okay. And so you all can read about that. But what's, what's important to understand is let's look at um, the cost of in vitro fertilization. So the cost of treatment, for example, in IVF may be the first option if a person's Philippian tooth are blocked or if they have guest, uh, guest stational carrier or egg donor or if they have uh, uh, cryopreserved eggs that they have the male fertility. So let's look at let's look at the male fertility here. Receiving a diagnosis of infertility. 
Um, I wanted to look at the cost because the cost was here. So the rates, the rates. So it says, according to a study of approximately 156,000 women, the average live birth rate for the first cycle was 29.5% of IVF success rates. It says the cumulative live birth rate was 65.3%. The IVF cost. So one study found that the average couple paid $19,234 for their initial IVF cycle. They paid an additional $6,955 for each additional cycle, which um, the difference between the first and subsequent are the fact that some people will go through second and third cycles and they get frozen embryo transfers. So these are all um, conventional. Um, and so that that's costly. That is costly. The average cost of IVF is often quoted between $12,000 and $15,000 per cycle. And they need three cycles. So you're going to be looking at $36,000 to $45,000 average cost. And it talks about the treatment and all of these different things. They go through a lot of different problems and stuff. So um, what I'll do is end on that note because I'm at my two-hour mark. So let me go ahead and pray. Father God, thank you so much for allowing me to deliver your word today. I just pray that you just please allow us to understand what is happening in society in a way where we can all pray. So let's pray, God. Let's 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 pray. I just want to pray for the people of this world. Father God, we just come boldly before your throne of grace. And we just ask that you help the people that really need your help, God. Specifically, the ones that cry out to you, God. The ones that really need your help, God. The ones that have been, you know, mistreated, misused. The ones that have, you know, had eugenics forced upon them, God. These unethical implications that has been placed upon the lives of so many people, God. From their generation to generations that have been passed down, God. All of these bad things that have taken place in society, God, we just ask that you please intervene. Like the way you intervene in, in the the um with the Israelites when they had to cross the, the sea. So God, we just ask that you just please get them divine intervention and help them. God, just shaking and awaking this world, Lord God. Shaking and awaking the people whose hearts are, whose hearts can be softened and melted for you, God. The ones that are ready and willing to complete your will and your plan and your purpose, God. The ones that are your children who love you, God, and want to understand you, God. Who's sick of sin, God. We are sick of sin, God. And so we want to live for you, God. So allow us to do that. Allow us to fulfill your plan and allow us to have favor in your sight. But most importantly, God, we just ask that you please allow your will to be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, it is still in your atonement blood. Amen.